the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. It's Arthur Idala on AM 970. The answer. This is the Arthur Idala Power Hour with quintessential New Yorker attorney Arthur Idala, New York's go to lawyer. He's here to share his stories from in the courtroom and around the city with interviews from high profile guests and everyday folks calling in to talk about everything from politics, lifestyle, health and wellness, and more. And now your host, making the case for the city he loves, attorney Arthur Idala. Happy Friday, everyone. I hope you're enjoying this beautiful evening. I am away right now, but you're going to get a little best of. We're going to do some Megyn Kelly. We're going to do some Mayor Eric Adams. And we'll be back on Monday. About eight years ago, in Manhattan, yours truly was jumping up and down on the stage to this song, like a lunatic, like an absolute lunatic, at uh, my friend's uh, holiday party. It's supposed to be a very professional event. It's a high-end event. It's a, the number one newscaster in the country's event. And here I am, the, the ham that I am. I hear the killers, Mr. Brightside, with uh, maybe a couple of libations in me. And I jumped up and down on the stage like a lunatic. And instead of getting in trouble, I actually got I, I got accolades from the host of the party, my friend who is about to join us, Ms. Megan Kelly. Hello, Megan. Oh, that brings back good memories. Such good <laughs> memories. You are never one to not be the life of the party. Doesn't matter. You can have great music like that by the Killers, or you could have a little Neil Sedaka, and you would make it happen. <laughs> I know. So, Megan, just in case anyone's been sleeping for the past like fifteen years, I just want to tell the world because now everyone, the whole world, listens to this show. Besides being an, a, a journalist, an attorney, a political commentator, a talk show host, a television news anchor, a wife, a mother, a sister, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, People hear you every day at noon on Sirius XM Triumph Channel 111. And I, just to prepare for this interview, went online and I saw your YouTube channel. And, you know, before we get into the heavyweight stuff, uh, I just want to give you a heads up. At, towards the end of the segment, I would like to speak to you about the ocean world versus the mountain world. Because, I, you know, we, we're going to have a little debate about when you're closer to God. But I, the question that, that really comes out is, where do you guys, you and Doug, get these names from? Strudwick? Like, what is, is that? Is that something I should know? Is that like in a book somewhere? Is it in a movie? You your your like dog's name mom. that eats everything is Strudwick. Where does Strudwick come from? You sound like my mom and my Nana. My Nana, because my kids have unusual names too, which are Yates, Yardley, and Thatcher. And my Nana used to say, they have to live with those names. <laughs> <laughs> um, so Yates, the, the name of our oldest child, and Strudwick, the name of our most recent dog, both come from Doug's side of the family. They have unusual family names. They're from Scottish and they're du- or Scotland and they're Dutch. And I don't know, but he had an uncle who 
played football for Carolina, and his name was Strud Nash, the Carolina Flash. And we were like, that's too good not to recycle. So we gave it to our dog. Okay. <laughs> Listen, it's it's fine with me. I but I, I I was watching and and I know Strudwick likes to eat things that are left on the front porch by the FedEx guy and so I oh, just naughty. was Curious where these names come from. Um, so I watched uh, the whole video yesterday about Alex Jones. And when I, you know, you and I have gone through a lot together and, and I've been through a couple of your little, you know, let's see, sensational moments on television with you. And I've always done my best to be a supportive friend. And once this Alex Jones thing started, I you were in the front of my mind. I'm like, oh, this was the whole Megan thing, etc. And I heard what you said um, last night. And, you know, the ultimate line is we don't only get to interview the good guys. And then re- reviewing your podcast. Now, as far as I know, Alex Jones hasn't killed anyone, killed anyone. But Sammy the Bull Gravano's got, I think, at least 19 murders under his belt. And he was on, he was on your show recently. And uh, I didn't see any, like, you know, explosions about you interviewing no Sammy backlash. the Bull. Yeah, no backlash. So talk to me a little bit about Alex Jones and, and that period of uh, the Megyn Kelly's life then and now. Well, and, and, you know, other people have, so many other people have interviewed Alex Jones, both before I interviewed him and post his comments on Sandy Hook and after. I mean, Joe Rogan had him on, featured, it was such a chummy interview, nothing, no blowback whatsoever. People were like, great. You know, it's like, okay, so there are different rules depending on whether you worked at Fox News or not. That's really what it boiled down to. Well, yeah, that's um, what I, I, when I heard you say, I didn't exactly understand. You said there was resentment because you were at Fox News and now you're at NBC. I, I wasn't following who was resenting who well the left never accepted me when i went over to nbc because i was a former fox news anchor and the right was mad at me because they thought i had sort of abandoned the team i think they conflated nbc and msnbc and i was trying to do a morning show over there that was just non-political i was just trying to find a job where i could do the news and still raise my kids but in no world would i ever join msnbc i mean anybody who knows me knows I, I'm smart enough to realize I, I could never make it there. When I was starting my career, sure, I would have gone anywhere, but not, no, I understand what they are and they understand who I am and that would never work. But anyway, so yeah, I got a lot of blowback from both sides. My point was that in a lot of the controversies I had, I had at NBC, I had no army because, you know, the right sort of thought I had like jumped ship and the left hated my guts anyway. And with Alex Jones, while it was fine for the New York Times and the BBC and CNN and Rolling Stone to interview Alex Jones, it wasn't okay for me because I came to it with a Fox News background, which made the NBC audience very suspicious of me. Wow. And then just, you know, I'm just here shaking my head and it's it's an overall sad commentary on just kind of where we are and, and where we're going. And I have to be honest, I avoid looking at this stuff. All of these kids who get killed, I, I you know, you look, we're in the, basically the same position, although now I trump you. I have a child actually even younger than you do. But Luca, yeah. <clears throat> Luca is exactly the age of the Sandy Hook kids. And oh, the worst, the, the most horrible story I ever did was that story when Geraldo asked me to go with him up to uh, to Connecticut and Lise Wheel couldn't even get out of the she couldn't get out of the um the trailer she was just hysterically yep. crying when you saw the, all these kids faces and one kid had his birthday was either four days before lucas or four days after lucas and like i was shaken up and it was hard I, I was there and i was praying and watch i will tell you watching your youtube video last night and, and watching a youtube channel and watching the father and you know i was here all by myself prepping for a case that i handled earlier today i mean i'd love to hit alex you know, i'm not a pretty violent guy but i would love to hurt him in some way just because he's re he's re-victimizing these parents and you showed the video of the mom who was so 
poised and composed on the witness stand. You did a great job with well, that. Well, so thank you. I mean, uh, this story and I go back, you know, I mean, I've, as I outlined in the piece yesterday, I've had a lot of professional and personal sort of intertwinings with the Newtown families and with the story. And uh, I, I'm concerned because I feel like so much of the right wing has now like embraced Alex Jones as some sort of a martyr, as some sort of a free speech, you know, pinnacle. And I just feel like this is not the hill to die on. You know, this is not the hill to die on people. Alex Jones does stuff no one I know would do. I mean, I interview lots of controversial people on the right, you know, popular radio personalities, what have you. They would never say the things that he has said. It's not about some of the commentators would say like, well, he was wrong or he it was his opinion. No, that's not what happened. He, he wasn't just wrong. He's he, his whole business is conspiracy theories. There isn't there isn't a single mass shooting that's happened in the United States that he accepts is real. He was asked that on the witness stand. That was his testimony, not one. And what is what is his theory? What's behind it? It's it's the anti-gun lobby that is creating all of this anti-gun. Yep. It's the anti-gun government cabal. But, you know, it could also be, you know, he's the guy who inspired a lot of Pizzagate. That one guy who went up there and shot up Comet Pizza because they thought that the Democrats are running a pedophile ring out of this. I mean, it's Q. That stuff is like Q, QAnon. And look, if if people need me to adopt QAnon theories or side with Alex Jones to, you know, be fans of my show, not going to work out between us. You know, that's just not even close to where so I let, am. Let's politically be, be a lawyer for a second, man. Just be a lawyer for a second. Just tell the audience where where is this case now? He came. They came down with this tens of million dollars punitive damages. W- what happens next? Well, the punitive damages award, which is for you know. $45 million is going to be, be cut significantly. Under under Texas law, you only get 750000 per plaintiff, which would be $1.5 million total, not $45 million total. He did win a $4 million, or they did win $4 million in compensatory damages against him, so they'll get that. But he's filed a bunch of bankruptcy actions, so you know there is a question about whether they're going to get much. And his net worth is high. It's any place between 80 and $300 million a year that he earns with InfoWars, so he wants his audience to think he's you know man of the people eating dinty more just like you know regular joe he's not alex jones bought four rolexes rolexes in a day he's got a seventy thousand dollar grand piano he's got the homes he's got he's a rich rich man so he's trying to avoid uh any of that by all these bankruptcies but i do believe he'll be forced to pay uh and i don't think it'll be 50 million i think that punitive damages cap will work to his benefit but he's got three other cases coming against him there's one coming up in connecticut which i do not believe has a series as a similar cap and it's all going to same way and it's just this you know do you did do it, you it, it it was an opinion he stated it like it was a fact and now you're in defamation territory do you equate this case in any way shape or form to uh, gawker being brought down in that suit where they were just telling lies well, they were just I'll, making I'll up stories say no i'll tell okay. you why i'd say no because i don't think weirdly i don't think alex jones is actually malicious i think gawker was I think Alex Jones is a, he's a weird guy. He's incredibly talented. When I went down there and met with him, he exudes like star power. You know, he's interesting and he's a big personality and you want to listen to him. You want to watch him. You, he's funny. You, you're kind of rooting for him to just like stay in the world of the normal. 
you know, of what's real. Yes, you can question things, but he's gone so far beyond that on Newtown and other stories. It's almost unsalvageable. But I don't think his intent is to be cruel. He says cruel things, no doubt. But I think Gawker's intent was to hurt people. Alex is more of a confused guy who sees a conspiracy in everything. But what about from the legal point of view, where you just, you know, your opinion crosses over into something that's that your, your opinion is just is just a lie. In other words, you're saying that that night is well, day and day is like, night. Yes, you can't do that. You like. He wasn't stating. I mean, listen, I've gone back and I have a long history with this guy on this story now. He stated repeatedly it was a hoax. It didn't happen. These are crisis actors. As at other times, he'd say, in my opinion, in my opinion, but he made clear many times he's stating this is a fact. This was a fact. That if I did that, I'd get sued. And he should be subject to no different standard just because he, he his whole bread and butter business is conspiracy theories. That doesn't save you. He was given and, chance after chance to take it back. And instead of taking it back, he doubled and tripled and quadrupled down. And for anyone who wants to be gripped, uh, but I would brace yourself, watch Megan's show on YouTube, and Megan then cuts to the father. And I really, it's hard for me to even say this, but how he, he his father, because I can't even dream of, I, would, I don't even want to imagine saying, he talks about how his son was shot in the forehead, and he looked the shooter right in the eyes when he was shot in the forehead, and then you have this juxtaposed to Alex Jones saying it never happened. It's like, whoa. I mean, you know, as I said, I'm, I give everyone the benefit of the doubt, but, you know, th don't tell a, a parent, who buried their kid in a coffin with a, sh a bullet wound in their forehead that it didn't happen. Well, and then, and then when Alex Jones saw that, I mean, he'd been telling lies about Neil Heslin, that parent of Jesse Lewis, for years, not by name, but, you know, as part of the Newtown families he was accusing. And then when Alex Jones saw that, because Neil appeared in my piece on Alex to, to respond, his response was not, oh, God, I shouldn't have said that stuff about the Newtown families. His response was to put on this guy, Owen Schreier, who works for him, on InfoWars with a, quote, report about how none of that could be true. He could not have held his son with a bullet through his head or have taken him home in a body bag because the medical coroner, the examiner, didn't release the bodies to the parents. And I mean, utter nonsense. Owen was destroyed on the stand at this Texas trial, completely admitted that his, quote, fact check of the article was by running it by some guy who wrote a book saying Newtown wasn't real. There was a title like that. He was destroyed. There was no fact checking. It confirmed their weird pre-existing worldview of this alleged conspiracy. And it was defamatory. He went back out there. And even Alex Jones, the day Neil Heslin took the stand to say this is what he's done to me, went on his show and said, this guy's on the spectrum. Well, it's just so, beyond like his callousness towards this group, like literally the most sympathetic group of people in the country is hard to understand. OK, hold that thought right there. We're going to uh, continue with the Megyn Kelly right after these messages. Will you need a will? Everyone needs a will. Everyone should have a healthcare proxy, a living will, a power of attorney, and you should have the paperwork in place in case you or one of your loved ones gets sick and you wind up in a rehabilitation center because those costs are tremendous. The cost of a nursing home could be $500 a day. It could be $15,000, $20,000 a month. It could absolutely bankrupt you. But maybe you're eligible for Medicaid. Maybe there's an insurance policy you could buy now that protects you from all of that stuff. Just call Connors and Sullivan 
government attorneys at law. They've helped hundreds of people just like you with the same thing that you could be going through. Protect yourself. They'll tell you exactly what you're eligible for, and they'll also help you devise a plan to avoid such dire financial news. Call Connors and Sullivan for a free initial consultation with a lawyer. Call 718-238-6500. They have offices in Manhattan, Brooklyn, Queens, and Staten Island. It's never too late. The time to act is now. So don't wait. Call Connors and Sullivan today. That's 718-238-6500. 718-238-6500. And after you call and you make that appointment, you'll be so glad that you did. Listen to us online at am970theanswer.com. Tune in, iHeart, Alexa, or odyssey.com. The Arthur Idala Power Hour is sponsored in part by the good people at Freehold Mitsubishi in Freehold Township, New Jersey. America's been thunderstruck by the all-new 2022 Mitsubishi Outlander. Get high style without the high price, plus an industry-leading 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain limited warranty. Drive one today at Freehold Mitsubishi for the best selection and outstanding customer service. Just a short ride from anywhere in the metro tri-state area. Visit FreeholdMitsubishi.com or call 732-863-2788. Hi, it's Arthur Idala on AM 970 The Answer, and you're listening to the Arthur Idala Power Hour, the best of. We're back to the Arthur Idala Power Hour with New York City's preeminent trial attorney and quintessential New Yorker, attorney Arthur Idala. Welcome back, folks. We are so lucky to have the great Megan Kelly with us today. So here's here's my other question for you, Megan. Man, we're with, we're talking to Megan Kelly, and and who's smart on so many different levels. What does this say? Now, so you just educated me. I didn't realize Alex Jones was making this kind of money. I mean, I I mean, I have the number one show here in in New York City at, at six o'clock, but I'm not in the fifty eighty million dollar range yet. So. Um, yeah. What does it say about the people who, who, are, who are sucked into this by him? And obviously, he's got to be a huge audience if he's making these kinds of mo- this kind of money. Yes. Well, you know how he makes all of his money? Through his products. That came out at trial, too. He is constantly pitching, like, supplements, stuff for men's virality. I don't know. Toothpaste with no fluoride. I can't remember all of his products. But he's got all sorts of products, and that's how he makes his dough. But, so but they, people are obviously people are taken by him. Oh, big time. Because for the reasons I was saying earlier, he is compelling. And I'll give him a compliment. We at NBC did, you know, a very long, we spent a day with a guy. And he was saying all this crazy stuff. And forgive me, I don't remember the specifics, but there was one. It was like, they're merging humans and pigs. And there are pigs out there with human faces. You know, he was saying like all sorts of stuff where you're like, oh, my God. We went back and checked you know, all of these claims, the ones that were even potential for making air. And many of them were dead on. It was like my team showing me the little pig with the human face. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> what? So the thing is, he's not all wrong. And when pointed in the right direction, because as everybody knows, our government does feed us a lot of BS. And they do lie about a lot of things. You know, they look at Russiagate and all, like, they lie. So, you know, Alex Jones is not wrong about everything, but he's just totally reckless when it comes to figuring out what's real and what's not. There has to be a higher bar for somebody who's got as many viewers and listeners as he does. And, Megan, I think the reason why you are, are successful is that you have the courage and you're brave enough to say what you just said. Like, Alex Jones is not wrong about everything. Because most people... They don't want to hear that. They want to hear that this guy is a, 
is just a piece of garbage who's like spreading lies about maybe the I mean that it's got to be in the top worst incidents in human history from at least modern human history. I mean these poor little innocent kids, as as the parents said, I think it's Mr. Heslin. You know, I dropped off my son at nine in the morning. I picked him up in a body bag. I mean, so but you know, you're, what you're saying is if you really dig deep with Alex Jones, there's there is truth in some of what he says, and then some of what he says yeah. is just off the wall. There is. There's. He's not wrong about everything. And you get him going on, you know, politics and sort of the Democratic cabal. And he's very libertarian, which is very appealing right now in a time where we don't trust our government institutions. So I get the appeal. And frankly, that was one of the reasons I wanted to interview Alex in the first place. You know, I had seen the coverage in the media of his divorce trial where they were trying to make him into a monster. And he was trying to say at this divorce trial, look, I'm just, you know, a man and I have my demons and I have and like the, the coverage about him was basically like, no, he's not a human. It was very unsparing and unforgiving. And I thought that would be a great person to do a profile of all the crazy conspiracy theories, but also he's a human, you know, and my understanding was he had backed away from Sandy Hook conspiracy theories by that point. So I go down to Austin, Texas, and I spend the day with the guy. And um, it was actually like a little unfortunate because I'll tell you the truth, Arthur, like he smelled so badly of alcohol. It was very clear. He had didn't been know, didn't know where you were going with that. Okay. I wasn't, no, sure no. What, I wasn't sure what he smells so badly of. Okay, of alcohol. Okay, no. so he drinks. No, just like, well, but I mean, I, I drink too. I love to drink. But I'm telling you, it was like, it, it was the kind of drink, it was kind of smell where like, it's clear they've drank so much the night before that it's just oozing out of their pores. You can yeah. smell it six feet away, which tells me, you know, he's got demons. He does have demons. And I know everybody's got demons, but I'm just saying, this is sort of what I walked into. And when I sat with him and was expecting him to say, yes, people are saying crazy stuff about Sandy Hook. You know, I now know, of course it happened. That's a chapter I regret. That's ex- He didn't say anything like that. He right. tripled down on it again. He was like, you know, no, when you see the videotape of the loop, Going on, you know, the, the actors going in and out. And listen, I could have played seven other sound bites of him tripling down on those accusations against the family out of that interview. It was just insane to me. And the more I dug into Alex Jones, the more I realized he's hurt a lot of people. A lot of people. He's been really, like the Comet Pizza thing I told you about, this thing with Chobani where he was forced to issue an on air apology about lies he had told about the owner of that yogurt company. Blah, blah, blah. We could be here all day. Besides Alex Jones, a bigger figure in, so- in, and got the appropriate treatment. In your career now, between you know radio and TV and different networks, besides Alex Jones, who do you put in 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 that category of interviews that you've done that have been extraordinarily controversial? Mm, I mean, controversial. I don't know. Putin. By the way, nobody cared when I interviewed Putin. I know. Alex Jones isn't worse than Putin. He didn't start a war. Like. But okay, listen, I, anyway, I, you, uh, you know, you just did Sammy the Bull. I mean, the guy killed 19 people. He's got this huge podcast. He's got this huge following. It, it makes you scratch your head. Uh, you know, someone told oh me God, the other the day. The people who cared about the Sammy the Bull um, interview were the mafia. <laughs> we got some friends. It's actually, I kind of found out who of my friends is in the mafia because I had like the big guys, the, the big Italian guys are there. They come out and be like, that was some interview. What made you do that? I'm like, oh, <laughs> I know. Yeah, I, I, you know, someone told me the other day, if you're driving down the road and there's a beautiful rainbow, no, you know, there's no traffic. No one, like, stops and puts on the brakes to look at the rainbow. But if there's, like, a little fender bender in the other lane, it's bumper-to-bumper traffic. And it's kind of the same thing. You know, it's when you, you do the nice interviews, you do the fun stuff, you know, oh, whatever. You, you interview a guy like this, Alex Jones, who breaks a lot of hearts, or Sammy the Bull has his own show, and he's going to tell you how many people he killed. Uh, everyone tunes in. 
I'm not exactly sure what that says about human nature. Um, but speaking of human nature, before I let you go or you let me go or whichever we're going to do, they went into the president, the former president of the United States house the other day or yesterday, and they went into his safe. And they're looking for papers, and it's a search and seizure issue, which my partner Barry Cammons literally writes the book on. And the president is understandably upset. I will tell you this, Megyn Kelly, that I, I don't know how many months ago it was, at 6.45 in the morning, I was woken by a phone call from Rudolph Giuliani saying, Arthur, the FBI's at my door with a search warrant, and they, they want to search my place. What do I do? I was like, have a seat, have a cup of coffee, and let them do their thing. I look at the warrant as long as it's signed by a judge, and you know what a warrant looks like, Uncle Rudy, then, then you know, if it's all proper, you just got to let them do it. Boy, is that an invasive feeling, to say the least. Um, but what does Megyn Kelly have to say about uh, the feds going after uh, President Donald Trump? I think this is disgusting and wrong and a lie. I don't think this has anything to do with stupid classified documents. Give me a break. Since when do they care about that? Ask Hillary. They don't. They are using <laughs> that as a pretext to get in there to see what they can find about January 6th. That's my belief. That they've made very clear the Democrats are hell-bent on finding a way to pin that on Trump legally, not morally, not politically, though they're related, legally. They want him prosecuted so that he can never run again because he's going to win if he runs again. And that's their worst nightmare. And so I believe this whole thing was protectual so they could get in there. And I don't know why. What do they think they're going to find? The secret Trump memo in big black Sharpie saying, I knew I lost and I unleashed a fraud on America. Okay, okay. Well, let me know if that's in the safe. Eric Trump. So Megyn Kelly, without knowing who the opponent is, you're saying that Donald Trump would win the next election. Yeah, I do. I think if, if the Republicans nominate him, I think he's going to win. I do. Who else? Who's going to beat him? Joe Biden? I mean, he's asleep. No, no, he, he, I, I don't his, think so. His Joe approval, Biden. his approval's only gone down. Like Joe Biden, who we thought. No, 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 I don't think Joe Biden. Well, who's it? Kamala Harris? No. Gavin Newsom? No. No, but I mean, this, this is. When you look at his hair. And then this this is all <laughs> this is all I think of. I think of uh, 1990, I believe it was, um, or, or maybe it was January 90 or 91. Whenever we had the Iraq, uh, we first went into Kuwait and George H.W. Bush had the highest approval rating of any president, I believe, to date. And no one ever heard of the name Bill Clinton. And, you know, next thing you know, Bill Clinton is the president and H.W. isn't. So I just think it's a little early to, you know, to be making those because uh, Trump drives people yeah, both ways. Wrong. Listen, I don't, anything could happen, but I'm just saying right now you look at the lineup. Joe Biden's approval ratings are still very low. I don't think this lame, fake, build back better, quote, inflation reduction act lie um, is going to help him. I don't think Roe versus Wade is going to do it. And I think they've just done the best thing they could possibly do to motivate the right wing uh, and make sure they get to the, the, the polls come this midterm, come 2024. They may have just reinsured or insured President Trump's reelection. I, I think the Republicans are furious at the weaponization of the FBI and the DOJ. They were mad about the, the parental interference at the school board meetings and labeling them domestic terrorists. And they're going to be furious that this BS could be done to not only a former president, but the guy who's likely to be the Republican nominee. I do believe they'll think if it can happen to him, it can happen to any of us, and there's only one way to stop it. Okay, listen, you're talking to a guy who I just had a big win this morning in in in, in federal court. Uh, so I'm 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 fighting the good fight on do? behalf of the Constitution. Um, it was a, a young man who uh, had some issues getting hooked on oxycontin after an injury, and he was basically getting oxycontin illegally. But he was. And, 
but he was eating it all. He wasn't, you know, he wasn't making any money off of it, but the government wanted him to go to jail for almost three years. And I think I know when the judge took the stand, he was sending him to jail. And after I spoke for about 45 minutes and my client and, and the judge was great. He asked me a lot of questions. It was a very hot bench. He didn't just like sit back and listen to me. He he peppered me. And then my client spoke, who was excellent. And then the judge said, I'm going to take a break and come back. And he came back and I was talking to myself. Oh, come on, pull it off, pull it off, pull it off. And he said, OK, I'm going to send you. I'm going to he said, I'm going to take the risk. I'm going to sentence you to time served and three years of probation, but I need you to take drug tests. And it was my client hysterically crying. The family, it was, oh, wow. it was like one of those wonderful things. But Meg, I got two minutes with you left. I want to ask you something about TV. Um, I know you, you speak to Dan Abrams. Um, he's on that new channel, News Nation. They're trying to do something a little unique. Now they just brought on Chris Cuomo. In the world of television, where there's so much competition now, so unlike when you first started, when you actually even had a different last name um it, it the, the competition is just just everywhere is does a, a channel like news nation with two names like dan abrams and chris cuomo and i believe there's a uh, um banfield I, I she's on there as well as, yeah i mean is there any shot of anything like that which is trying to not be hard right or hard left of getting any traction or do they just don't have a base to sell the commercials to don't think so. In today's day and age, there's too many options. You know, like if you if you're on the left, you've got all of cable news to watch. If you're on the right, you've got Fox and you've got independent media in a way that you never had before. So you've got so many options. And I think while people may say they're in the middle, most people lean a little right or a little left. And so if you could find like incredibly compelling straight down the middle people, maybe. But I just don't. I don't think so. And I love Dan. He's a good friend of mine. But so far, the ratings are not suggesting them. And the numbers I saw were like, I don't know, something like 8,000 viewers in the demo. And not even not even like, a, you know, 50,000. You know, it's like that's that's not going to keep the lemonade store uh, open. I, and I if you really want to be nonpartisan, why on earth did they hire Chris Cuomo? Well, I mean, he's, it's going to be the new and improved Chris Cuomo. So one last thing, Megan. I know you said you feel closest to God when you're on the top of a mountain. Um, but I will tell you, when I'm under the water myself in the ocean, I have a very, very similar feeling. Like, I actually am talking to God when I'm under the water. Yeah, like the ocean is, like, over my head, and I really can't breathe. You know, I'm a, I'm in this, like, place of... Um, it's like a twilight zone, right? I mean, you're in a very vulnerable state. And, that, and when I'm under there, I'm sort of like, thank you, God. Thank you for my family. Thank you for my children. Thank you for my parents. Oh, my and then God. I come up and I get my air. Whereas you're doing it on the zip That's line across the mountains. <laughs> That's my worst nightmare. I think I had a wave. I know I had a wave trauma when I was little. And so the, I'm afraid of the ocean. I don't really, I'm a little afraid of sharks, but I'm really afraid of the waves. And so, like, being under the water with my head under ocean water is a nightmare for me. I'm like, you feel closer to God because you're dying. You're <laughs> well, but, 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 you know, maybe, but maybe, maybe that's it. I mean, I, I just thought because when I heard you say on, on one of your episodes that, you know, you're not a beach person, I'm like, of course, she's so fair skinned. That sun is just exactly. not, it's not the way to go. Um, so, There's I mean, nothing but, but death waiting me, for me there. It's like skin cancer 
shark death, wave drowning. I just, it's not for me. Okay, well, I got you. I, and I will tell you, I do, <laughs> I do enjoy a great trip to the mountains. Um, warm regards to Doug and your family, and warm regards from Marianne. Ariana, my, our eight-month-old, learned how to crawl this weekend between Friday and Sunday. She's oh. zipping across the floor with her bright blonde hair and blue eyes. Oh, my gosh. You're so lucky, Arthur. I'm so happy. Your family's so beautiful. It keeps expanding. We need more little idolas running around, so it's all good. Love right and, back to them. And, and I will tell you, I did get approval from my mother about the name Ariana. She said, you know, I got Luca, Arthur, and Ariana. She did not torture me. So regards from my parents as well, and, and they're, they're sending their love. And uh, thank you so much for your support, Meg. You were my first big guest here, and uh, I've been doing great. Uh, according to the general manager here, I've been doing great for the first eight months. We'll see what the future holds. I'm so happy. I, didn't, I, I joined you. I didn't even know you were number one. I joined you out of love. Now I'm so excited <laughs> to find out that I've been on the number one show. Keep All at right. it. You, oh, babe, Meg, before we go, we, 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 besides listening to you at noon on Sirius and looking at your YouTube channel, is there anything else we need to know that's in the hopper from Megan Kelly? Yeah, you know, you can download the podcast, too. All of that helps however you want to consume it, audio, video, visual, or radio. I'm, I'm there for you, and I'm, I'm loving it. I'm my own boss, and that's exactly the way I want it. <laughs> Good. Keep it that way. Thank you so much, Meg. We'll see you real soon. See you, my friend. Thanks. Bye. That was Megyn Kelly, folks. We're going to be right back after these messages. So let's talk about my friend Susan at Rhino Shield. You guys know how proud I am of my house and how well it looks after years now of weathering and rains and snows and cold and heat. What about that blistering heat? Doesn't hurt the house. And you know what it does? It helps keep the air conditioning in the house because Rhino Shield's not paint. It's a ceramic coating that gets sprayed onto your house. And it helps keep that air conditioning in your house where you want it. You don't want it seeping out the walls and seeping out the, the ceiling in the roof. Rhino Shield guarantees your house will look as if it was freshly painted with an amazing 25-year transferable warranty against peeling, chipping, cracking, mold, or mildew. When was the last time a painter gave you a 25-year warranty? You will never have to consider painting again, well, at least not in the next 25 years. Rhino Shield will increase the resale value of your home because of what I said. It's going to keep the heat in in the winter and the air conditioning in in the summer. And right now, Susan is offering no payments, no interest financing for one year. That along with her strongest discount yet, 20% off for anyone who requests a free free quote by August the 31st. So call today and lock in your 20% discount. That's 877-744-6608. That's 877-744-6608. Or go to RhinoShieldOfNewYork.com. And when you reach out to Susan, make sure you tell her that Arthur sent you. Listen to us online at am970theanswer.com. Tune in, iHeart, Alexa, or odyssey.com. Freehold Mitsubishi in Freehold Township, New Jersey, is proud to be an automotive leader in our area and sponsor of the Arthur Idala Power Hour. Mitsubishi dreamers, designers, and engineers are redefining choices in mobility for a whole new generation of independent, modern, and savvy consumers who want value, like the new redesigned 2022 Mitsubishi Outlander featuring its industry-leading Mitsubishi 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain limited warranty. Visit Freehold Mitsubishi today, freeholdmitsubishi.com, or call 732-863-27. Hey, it's Arthur Idala, and you are listening to the best of the Arthur Idala Power Hour on AM 970, The Answer. New York City on a Friday. 
with the in the greatest city in the world, the greatest, greatest city in the world, and I'll arm wrestle anyone for that title. And uh, I, you know, I'm lucky to be described as the quintessential New Yorker. Well, we're about to hear from the quintessential mayor, definitely the best dressed mayor, maybe since Lindsay, maybe even before that. I am so honored, and it's such a pleasure to have the mayor of the city of New York, someone I consider a friend for a long time now. I mean, he was my borough president, uh, and before that, he was he was just a good guy, Eric Adams. Hello, Mayor Adams. How are you, sir? Thank you. But you know what? People need to be clear. We are friends. But I don't get a pass from you. <laughs> you, <know, laughs> <trust me. laughs> you, well, you are hard-hitting because you love this city. Your newborn baby and uh, your uh, previous child, your daughter, uh, your son, uh, you know you know that this city has to operate like so many of us. And so I appreciate the authentic I, friendship and your clear observations. We're, listen, we are rooting for you, man. I mean, the bottom line is you are our leader. That's it. You know, elections are over. I don't care who people supported. Everyone knows I supported you a long, long time ago throughout the whole thing. But you are our leader, and yeah, you know, we're we're just rooting for you. So let me just cut to the chase. You ran well, hold on. before you before you do that because you said something that's important, Arthur. And someone said it to me the other day, and it just made so much sense. They said that you know you're the pilot of the plane that's in the air right now, and I can't wish for you to crash because I'm on this damn plane with you. You know, so forget about if what's the political belief of the pilot. Forget about what blocks he lives on or what language he speaks. Hey, New York's are New Yorkers are passengers on this plane that I'm flying. And if I, it I, crashes, everyone on here is going to have to be impacted for this. So I let's could not agree with you the more. pilot. Um, listen, and, that, and, and, and I do consider, and I'm going to offend some people, I consider people ignorant when they say to me, why are you so supportive of the mayor? I'm like, because he's our mayor. We want him to succeed. We're true New Yorkers. Why do you want him to fail? It doesn't make any sense to me. Let's talk about crime. The, 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 gun, the gun decision from the United States Supreme Court came down. You were a police officer for 22 years. The Senate just came down, uh, the assembly, with this, these new laws where I think I, I read the bill, and I think Mayor Adams, they may, they may have gone overboard because they made everything a sensitive area. If you really read the, the, the bill, which I'm sure you have, everything is a sensitive area. But the question I was asked by listeners to ask you is how many, because they think what people are overreacting about the the United States Supreme Court decision, how many of the gun violence that we know of in the city is conducted by law-abiding gun uh, holders? How many people who have permits who are allowed to have guns are committing the gun crimes? And Great question, and, and they should rightfully ask that question. Uh, I'm, I, I have a, I'm allowed to carry a gun because I have the good guy letter when I left the police department. I own three guns and I have the authorization to carry. My brother's a retired member of the department. He carries uh, as well. Well, uh, and so I understand what people are saying. They're saying, uh, okay, Eric, um, law-abiding citizens don't commit crimes. Got that. And what we can't do is, like, uh, allow idealism to get in the place of realism. Law-abiding citizens that get angry and have a car crash, they come out with a bat. They fight each other. They're on the subway system. They get into a dispute. Uh, sometimes they slash each other. Law-abiding citizens. The problem is over-proliferation of guns, everyone carrying. People also ignore the fact that a third of the people who die from guns die from suicides. You have a gun home, you place it in the wrong place, your child picks it up, that your child is, is you know, harms themselves. So this is a bigger problem than just, hey, law-abiding citizen, non-law-abiding. 
you in you in Manhattan in Times Square. Three hundred fifty thousand people were in Times Square uh, two weeks ago. Someone hears a gunshot. Let's say we just had a thousand people there carrying guns, law abiding. Someone hears a gunshot. Not everyone pulls out their gun, responding to that gunshot, not not knowing who's the innocent person, who's law-abiding citizens. In New York, 8.8 million people, you can't just have this open carry philosophy and think that law-abiding citizens are not going to make a mistake. A bad day is going to turn into a bad shooting and with bad outcomes. Well, I, I listen, I'm not going to give my opinion on any of this, Eric, because I do this. I'm sorry, <laughs> Mr. Mayor. I'm so used to calling you Eric. Stop and frisk, broken windows. Those are policies that were known to, to work when you were on the job. Are those policies somewhat in effect today under the Adams administration? We we would not go to the way of abusing those police tools. We believe precision policing is successful on how you go in and zero in on those who are carrying out dangerous crimes in our city. So 30 percent decrease in uh, shootings in this city, double digit decrease in homicides, 3,300 guns removed off the streets from using tools correctly. And it's called stop question and frisk. A lot of people miss the question part because if you use a tool properly, you could accomplish accomplish the goal you're looking for. And so I strongly believe the proper using of all police tools. And I'm a big believer that you can't allow quality of life to erode. That's why we don't turn our backs on fair evasion. We don't turn our backs well, I, on people I, I know, who walk Mr. Mayor, I know you I know you don't, but I know the DAs as far as I know their policy is is they're not they're not pursuing it. And I you know, I take Luca to the Yankee game and it ends and there I am and I'm taking out my, my metric card. I, now I use my iPhone and there's all these kids. They just hop in the turnstile and here's my 15-year-old son like looking at me like, hold on, dad. Right. Why are they right. jumping? And then, you know, Eric, it's, I'm sorry, <laughs> Mr. Mayor. It no, sets, no, Eric. Eric is good enough. <laughs> it, it, it sets this tone, the aura on the subway platform that they're, they're, they're okay breaking the law. And it's just not a good vibe. And I need to know what is Mayor Adams going to do? Is it to look? I can tell you this because I was friends with Joe Hines as you were. He told me that Bloomberg called the five DAs to Gracie Mansion, even though he didn't live there for breakfast. And he said, listen, if you guys don't promise me you're going to sentence everyone to who carries an illegal gun to two years in jail, I am going to hack your budget in half. If you give me your word that you, everyone who's caught with an illegal gun gets two years in jail, I'll increase your budget it's a done deal and that's why plexico burris after being a super bowl superhero winning the super bowl and, and getting caught with a gun did two years in jail even though he had one of the best lawyers in the, on the planet earth ben brofman so I, I think there needs to be a little bit of love between the da's and the adams administration so everyone's on the same page well first of all you 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 pointed out two two aspects of the conversation um, the first aspect is that you're dead on when our children watch uh behaviors carried out in the city without any form of with impunity, uh, it just really sets the wrong turn, uh, uh, tone, public urination, injecting yourself with drugs, going into stores, stealing what you want, hopping the turnstile. You know, I believe for far too long we told police officers not to carry out their duties. That is not under this administration. My officers are told, the, our officers are told, you will carry out your duties and you will get the support that you deserve when you do so, such as removing the person that was in the subway the other day, blocking pedestrian traffic. It went on social media, went viral. People said, oh, the cops did the wrong thing. I said, no, they did the right thing. They warned him several times. He ignored it. 
We are not going to sit back and allow our city to go into unlawfulness. Now, our district attorneys, I have been meeting with our district attorneys and our prosecutors and stating we have to operate as a team to deal with this issue of violence we're seeing and the repeated offenders who are violent returning to our streets. I'm not going to go into the private conversations that we had. I know retrospectively uh, the uh, the mayor, uh, previous mayor, uh, shared what his thoughts were. But you erode your ability to negotiate with your prosecutors if you share what your thoughts are that, that you I, shared listen, with I, them. I respect that. So, Eric, let me just tell you, one: the, the thing that I get hit the most defending you, really, is, and, and I'm not, I, I've tried to have all my interns here, Brooke and Joe and John, do all the research, and it's hard to find. But everyone said to me in prepa- preparation for today's show, how come Giuliani cleaned up the city in his first three months as the mayor and Eric Adams hasn't done it in the first six months. Now, I'm going to tell you my uh, opinion unresearched is I don't think Giuliani cleaned up the city in three months. Um, <laughs> that's my that's my uh, my opinion. He, he definitely cleaned up the city. You were on the job. You were working at the time, right? You, weren't you a police yes. officer in the Giuliani administration? Yes, I was. And you talk about revisionist history. Anyone who believed what uh, the previous mayor did in three months, all of a sudden, we no longer had crime. We no longer had uh, what we were dealing with. Uh, that is just not a reality. I was a, a police sergeant during the, those days. I know exactly what happened in this city. But let me give you another scenario. During the uh, early 90s, first we need to properly talk about Mayor Dinkins doing the uh, the Safe Cities initiative, right. getting uh, funding for new cops in the system. So Giuliani came in when those new, new cops came in. Second, which is extremely important, everyone was on the side. Prosecutors, court system, lawmakers, news media, everyone was on the side of, hey, we got to clean up this city, and we need to all be supportive of the apparatus to do so. Look at today. Look at what we're dealing with. Today, we moved 3,300 guns off the streets, and the people who carry the guns, they're out the next day. Or you have a criminal justice system where you have judges who are turning loose people without giving them the bail that they can give in cases and allowing them to go back out. We have laws that protect guilty people and ignore innocent people. So what my police officers and your police officers are up against right now is that they they appear as though that everyone is against them that are part of the criminal justice system and who's protecting the good guys of the city that the police officers are attempted to protect. So here's what I need you to do. I need you to take out your crystal ball because this is a question from an actual listener. They said, you've been in office seven months. How much more time do you think the city needs to to reduce crime to a point where you're never going to be happy as the mayor, but where you feel more comfortable? Do you need another three months, six months, another year? What's the crystal ball of Mayor Eric Adams say? well, Well, first of all, I don't have a crystal ball and I can't give anybody a crystal ball and everyone's talking timetable people told me that listen you're failing as a mayor because you have not turned around crime you have not turned around cleanliness you haven't turned around anything I told them listen this is January 3rd come on <laughs> you know so you know what I'm saying so here's here's the issues the unpredictables there has never been a mayor that had to govern under COVID situation even 9-11 wasn't what COVID did to our, our city there has never been a mayor that has a Supreme Court that's telling people now you can open carry in a city of 8.8 million people, our economy, uh, our subway system. So what we're going to do is put the right plans in place. And as I stated, there are indicators that are stating we're moving in the right direction. 30% decrease in shootings, 11 months of decreasing 
and, and um, 11 weeks of decrease in shootings uh, thus far. Double-digit decrease in homicide. But we, we do have we an have increase, 30, Mr. Mayor. 30-year high, 30-year high, Arthur, of arrests for guns. 30-year high. Th- those are all great, but the, 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 the money crimes have gone up. Grand larceny is up, burglary is up, and robbery is up from May of last year to May of this year. So, you know, we still got some work to do, and those are money crimes, and that's why I just want to transition before I lose you because I know before you got a you lot of work. Before you transition, and I'm, I'm, every time I interrupt you, I'm going to add my time back to your oh. time, okay? <laughs> okay before before you transition, think about these crimes. So I have my team give me an analysis. You know, why are we bumping up in, uh, in, in, in those money crimes, grand larceny, robbery, uh, GLA? Give me an analysis. What's going on? The repeated offenders. Right. These guys are committing these crimes, getting out, going back, doing it again, getting out again. So it's like no matter how good of a job the police officers are doing, if the system is not supporting and complementing the work of those who are taking bad, dangerous, repeated offenders off the streets. We are in this constant state of feeding this crisis. And that's what people must understand. You know, other mayors never had to deal with this. These police officers are dealing with a um, systems that are fighting back against the good work that they're doing. Oh, listen, just so you know, Mayor Adams, when I come down on the street, I see the police officers, and everyone in my office can tell you, I always go over, I say, hey, man, hi, thank you. Everything okay? Anything I can do for you? You need anything? Thank you, thank you, thank you. Let's talk. I'm in Midtown Manhattan, 45th and 5th, 5th Avenue, Madison Avenue, this whole area here. This commercial area was already hurting before COVID because of Amazon delivering things in five minutes and Walmart and all of this stuff. So Midtown Manhattan, where all the tourists come, I don't need to tell you, there's all of these vacancies. What are we going to do to spur? And even in my neighborhood in Bay Ridge, Brooklyn, Century 21 shut down on 86th Street. It, you know, it, it, it owned three quarters of the block. What are we going to do in the, in the, uh, do we have to re- reinvent ourselves is Amazon and all and all of these online instant gratification kind of places uh, the, the wave of the future and we have to return all of this commercial space into space for a different type of use what does the mayor Adams administration have in mind for uh, New York City's economy regarding commercial uh, real estate a great great question and, and you said New York City economy and then you added on commercial real estate because those are two different pieces uh, the New York City economy we're seeing our hotels have back. We're seeing tourism is increasing, particularly domestic tourism. Uh, we're seeing people are visiting the city. To, again, we're creeping up in office occupancy. Uh, we're up to about 40 percent. We need to get up to around 75, 80 uh, percent. Uh, is that going to happen, larger... Mayor Adams? Is that because um, look, my firm, just so you know how I got your back, my firm has been in, in the office full time. Everyone here since Labor Day of 2020, since Labor Day it. of 2020, 100 percent occupancy in here, except one kid whose father was suffering from cancer at home. I said, you stay home. Besides that, everyone's been here. But a lot of my colleagues, these big law firms, oh, you can work from anywhere you want, which I think is a bunch of BS, but that's what they're doing. So are, are we going to be able to get 75% occupancy? And that and, and that's the goal. Are we having companies decreasing their, their footprint? Yes. Uh, are we having companies, I believe, are too lean on telling people to work from home? We we learned that many of our city agencies had employees working from home. I said that ends. Everybody's back in the office to go and feed our economy and the ecosystem, going to the restaurants, going to the nightlife establishments. That is part of our financial ecosystem. So to pinpoint what you were talking about, our spaces, we need to look at uh, – we, we're putting together a task force to revisit what is 
post-economy after COVID, post-COVID, because we can't just stumble into it. So number one, we just was able to get legislation passed around child care vouchers and tax abatement for those retail spaces that we turn into child care locations. Because if we have child care on a site in a retail store next door or in the lobby of a building, then people are more willing to come back to work and have child care for their, their children. Second, we need to look at, like we did in 9-11, some of this space can turn into um, affordable housing. Uh, we uh, rezoned, we did some creative things after 9-11. Lower Manhattan did not always look the way it did no, in the Wall Street look anything. It didn't look anything like that when we were kids. Right, right, <laughs> right. So we're thinking differently of how do we use our space, but it also, it's also going to come down to Arthur. We need employees, employers to say it's time to get back to work. It's well, time. I to listen. Get back number to one, work. I'm I'm in the same I'm in the same mental state as you are, and I got a kid, so I'll happily if you'll have me serve on that task force to get every kick everyone's butt and get them back into the city <laughs> of New York. Um, before I let you go, you know you mentioned nightlife and one of the things that i defend you on often because i think it's the right thing is people criticize the mayor of the city of new york because they say they see you out at night a lot at all these different events and sometimes they catch you out in the hamptons or outside of the city like you know what 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 do you say to to your detractors about i mean thank you by the way you came to the friars club that unbelievable event honoring tracy morgan you know i've seen you came to the inner circle these are by the way these are all charitable organizations that raises money for kids but people oh he should be in city hall at 9 o'clock working and he should be meeting with his commissioners at 10 o'clock working or on the Saturday afternoon and he shouldn't be in the Hamptons. What is he doing? Is he running for president? Is he running, raising money? So Eric Adams, Mayor Eric Adams, why are you going to all the, the big events in the city of New York unlike maybe some of your predecessors? Well, well first of all, you, you know if someone wants to dislike you, they're going to be creative in their dislike of you, no matter what. People can criticize many things about me, but they can't criticize how I work. I work seven days a week. If I'm hanging out with the boys, I'm up with the men in the morning. I'm up, I'm up 5 a.m. every morning, every morning. And so when people start saying, well, why can't he be here? No, I need to be everywhere in the city. I learned when I did Midnight's as a police officer that there's an entirely different work population at night. I'm in the subway system talking to the cleaners, to, the, to those uh, the token booth clerks. I'm in the hospitals talking to my midnight tours. I'm speaking to my cab drivers in the late at night. But think about our nightlife establishment, multi-billion dollar industry. They tell me all the time, Eric, when you come and visit our establishments and send a message to people that our city is up and operated. Remember who we are. We're the city that never sleeps. I, I'm, I, yeah, <laughs> listen, I, I am with you on that. I know for the city that doesn't sleep sometimes, because this is another topic so many people wrote in about, the city that doesn't sleep, if you're walking around here at night, Mayor Adams, sometimes you see a bunch of rats running around. Now, you got new garbage pails coming in, right? I mean, you got, this is definitely on your radar screen and on your target to, ta to tackle the, the garbage situation and the rat situation? Without a doubt, man. You know, I, I hate rats. Rats. I'm scared of rats. When I was killing them, everybody was complaining that why are you killing these innocent rats? You know what? That's noise. Listen, we just invested $22 million in new fund, funding for uh, Little Basket Services, and we're doing this initiative of cleaning up lots and cleaning up spaces where people are dumped. $7.5 million we put in that area, and we're also 
uh, put another four over four million dollars into dealing with cleaning up the lots. And we're going after those illegal dumpers. Uh, so we know the city must be cleaner and cleanliness is you know next to God, godliness. And so we're focusing on that. Our city is going to be a clean city. And listen, I'm optimistic about the future of this city. I know we are resilient. I've served in the city during some difficult times. New York always comes come, comes back. That is who we are as a city. And we're going to have a lot of naysayers. That's just the biz- nature of doing business. 8.8 million people, 30 million opinions. But you know what? We have a good mayor that's going to make the right decision for New and, Yorkers. And as I said, Eric, I spent 114 shows <laughs> uh, bragging about you. I, you know, I know half the people in your administration and their quality, quality, yes. quality intellectually and their integrity and their ethics and their morals. I got 60 seconds left. I'm going to name a couple of names and you have to say a good thing, a good thing about them. Ed Koch. I thought he was uh, the New York character and spirit. I think my personality sort of mimics that. Uh, we never distracted by noise. We keep focused and live out what we believe is right for the city. And he was David Dinkins. David Dinkins. Oh, a real gentleman. You know, I know people didn't really appreciate, but they put us on the pathway with uh, the Safe Cities Initiative. Of I think history is going to be kind to his legacy. Mayor Rudy Giuliani. Mayor Giuliani in 1994 to 2001. Okay, and that's I'm glad you I'm glad you said that. Mayor uh, Giuliani 1990. Mayor, Mayor Giuliani. <laughs> 1994 to 2001. Made major impacts in getting city services to do their jobs and taxpayers to get their money's worth. I think he could have done a better job in how he communicated with those who disagreed with him. I sit down and meet with everyone. All right. Uh, Mayor Michael Bloomberg? Uh, I think a real winner. You know, I consider him to be uh, one of the greatest mayors the city has ever seen. Uh, and he continues to contribute uh, to this city, he has never abandoned the city. He has been extremely helpful to this administration and to mayors all over the country. And your predecessor, Mayor Bill de Blasio. Had some victories. He walked away with some W's. People want to ignore those W's. Uh, Pre-K, NYC, uh, municipal ID, what he did about civil legal services. Uh, some things I disagreed with him, like um, I think street uh, uh, plain clothes assignments, even with modified uniforms, are important. Uh, you know, you, you you take wins and losses. I'm sure I'm I'm going to have some L's, uh, but I'm gonna I'm going to have a large number of W's. And the last question: Your suits are they custom or off the rack? <laughs> I'm, I, I'm a custom guy. <laughs> oh, you are? Not me. I, that, I'm 44 regular, and I love how you're bringing the tie bar back. You know, my dad, when he was in the 50s, he had the tie bar you know, between the collar, underneath the tie, and you're rocking it, and, and, and you are the man. You got the swagger. You got the swagger, Mr. Mayor. You got the swagger. Thank you so much. Your comp team right, is going to kill me for going overboard, but just defend me, all right? Yes, sir. Take care, Arthur. God bless you. Have a happy fourth. The preceding program, sponsored by Freehold Mitsubishi. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. 
the explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.